It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, brought to you by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Zach Blackerby, Painter Sharpless, and Michael Pappas recording today's podcast from the Palatial Studio A at the Auburn Network family of stations. And before I bring the other guys in, I, I want to issue just a quick apology. You guys listen to this show so you can have, you know, the, the upper hand on Auburn sports about how you should feel going into a matchup, about all the information, uh, you know, going into game day. And boy, last week did we botch it. Did we botch it? And, you know, I, I feel like I was kind of a big part of leading that charge uh, in, in regards to saying, hey, you know, Auburn has no chance of losing this game down in Gainesville. I didn't think the crowd would be that big of a factor. Clearly, it had an effect on Bo Nix. Clearly, it had an effect uh, on the offense. And I, I know I'm not alone. I, we all sat in here with Tom Green on Friday, Painter, Michael, and we all were in agreement. Like, okay, all pretty confidently, Auburn's going to win this game. Painter, clearly, we were wrong. I thought, you know, heading into this season, I thought people were putting too much stock into Florida. And I thought that was becoming more evident after Auburn was beginning to look better and Florida was struggling against Kentucky and and suddenly using their backup quarterback. I think we found out that Florida's defense is full of good athletes. I also still think that Florida, while now I think in the eyes of many, much more deserving of a top 10 ranking, is still way behind Georgia. And, yeah, at the same time, I was also wrong about the outcome of this game. Like, I think Florida can be a slightly above average, very fairly a top 20 team in the country, while also still being overrated at number seven, having taken it to Auburn. Auburn played really bad uh, on Saturday, particularly on offense, but the defense gave up some uncharacteristic big plays. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and what did we talk about? Auburn could not afford to turn the ball over offensively, they did that. Now, Florida did that as well, and Auburn forced a lot of those. The other thing they couldn't afford to do was give up big plays defensively because, and this became true, Florida was not able to sustain drives. Uh, I mean, yeah, offensively for Florida, they had two or three plays. I mean, obviously that that quick score, that slant, and then obviously the, the P-Ron run at the end, and I mean, it, Auburn came out on the wrong end of a very good story for P. Ryan. You know, a guy wanted mm-hmm. to go to Auburn, and Auburn said no thanks, and he he took it to him the one opportunity he had. But man, you know the the swamp looked like a very lively place, and I mean, Bo Nix, I've seen it almost an annoying amount of times, but the whole he finally looked like a true freshman. I, I think he's looked like a true freshman several times throughout the year. It's just. The, the outcome stakes was were fine. higher. Yeah, the stakes were higher. You were on the road, and you know, I mean, frankly, I mean, he looked really, really bad, Bo Nix, and obviously, he's capable of of being a lot better. I think he would come out and tell you, like, hey, I, I, you know, the Auburn should have scored more points. I mean, the the defense gave the offense so many opportunities, even with those big plays they gave up. Yeah, I mean, and the weird thing is because Auburn played badly offensively, there's no other way around it. They still could have won this game. If they've connect, if they had connected on some of those big passing plays down the field, it's still fascinating to me how they went away from some things. They they went away from. All right, hold on. Before the- we get into the specifics, uh, I I'd like you to apologize for apologizing because there's absolutely no way that you could have possibly known that Auburn was going to go into Florida, or or any of us could have possibly known that Auburn was going to go into Florida and play. 
just an absolute stinker of a game off like the worst possible game you can imagine offensively and then would just make really two uncharacteristic mistakes defensively that essentially cost your team the game uh, that's I understand the thought process behind the apology I I appreciate it as a human being but there's absolutely no way that you could have possibly known that Florida was going to play. You're right, but we still steered, you know, thousands of Auburn fans that listen every day. We still steered them the wrong way. And I, ultimately, that is on us. I, I just hate it that, you know, the people on game day pick games every week and they're wrong every week. And they still are on like the best platform for college football broadcasting every single week. And there's no accountability. I want there to be accountability and I'm taking it. That's all I'm saying. I agree. I, I appreciate right, that, but with the information we were given going in, there's a reason that we all were saying the things we were saying. Right. Right. All right. Can we get into specifics now? Is that yeah. okay? Cool. Uh, as far as as far as like what the offense went away from, I mean, it seems like every. I don't understand why Auburn is not calling more plays to Seth Williams. We saw it working against Mississippi State. He was incredible. I mean, we saw it obviously in the in crunch time against Oregon. It was incredible. Painter, I know you were very high. You were you were the the conductor on the Seth Williams Express hype. Throw train. Anthony Schwartz in there. Why did he have one touch? I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. Like there is a certain element of coaching that I probably will never understand because they know so much more about football and they watch their players every day. But I can tell you, two of the best players on your team offensively are Anthony Schwartz. And Seth Williams, and it's not that they didn't try to get them the ball some, and some of those opportunities probably just weren't there. Yeah. But I, if you have to force feed the ball down their throats, I think if they're, if you have quite literally the fastest player in college football, and I think your best offensive weapon at receiver in a number of years, sometimes you just have to force it. I, I yeah, mean, and you, I mean, you can make the argument. I mean, I don't even think there is an argument, but like Seth Williams on the touchdown, like he was covered. But Bo said, I, I don't care. He, he's the best option. And you didn't see him do a whole lot of that. There was a play you know, in my, in my GIF thread that I put up yesterday. There was a play that I really liked. And it, you know, it goes down in the stat sheet as an incompletion. But it's just giving guys a chance. Bo Nix gets flushed out, sees pressure right up, you know, right in the middle of the pocket, runs to his left and just kind of throws it up to Seth Williams. I think eight times out of ten, maybe nine times out of ten, Seth comes down with that football. It's not an easy catch, but it's a catch that he's capable of making. Uh, the, but just The third down play? Yeah, I think it was third and ten. Yeah. Yeah, it was third and long. But yeah, along uh, offensive left sideline. But that's just the play that I think Auburn should. Uh, sh- I mean, sh- should rely on more as far as like throwing the football to Seth Williams. And it's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get zero percent APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Tanner, you're right. I mean, if you say, okay, Anthony Schwartz got one touch, but if you were it, you have the fastest player in college football, and he got one touch, and it was early, and it was on a... A play that Florida just sniffed out as far as the jet sweep under center. And you're always like, give, give him like a normal formation. Don't do the sugar huddle and give it Anthony Schwartz. Just, you know, give him a chance. But, you know, we can nitpick all day. It's very clear. But one, one thing I'm surprised at, and, and they did it early in the game, it was one of the first downs that they had. They did just a, a, a quick screen pass to Eli Stove. 
and they did it on third. I believe it was third and ten. He got nine. They ended up punting or, or kicking a field goal. Route. I think they kicked the field goal actually. But you know, those short pass to Eli Stove, especially when your quarterback is uncomfortable, those easy, quick completions to give Bo Nix confidence. He needed he needed any kind of confidence that he could possibly get on Saturday. And to add to what you're saying, when the defensive line is as aggressive and playing as aggressive as Florida's defensive line is, those plays can end up being huge plays. You're absolutely right. And so I completely agree with you. Guys like Stove out in space, guys like Schwartz, period. Um, I don't know why they ever throw screens to Seth Williams, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like they have better players after the catch, and he's the best player down the field. So I agree with you. Seth Williams is very good, but I like uh, pre-catch. I'm with you. Um, Yeah, as far as getting the ball in somebody's hands and them them running, I like Eli and Schwartz more. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. As far as defensively, I saw a lot of people hating on Noig Monogany because of those P.I. fouls late. One was questionable. By rule, it was D.P.I. It came out very late, which makes people frustrated. Then, was it the next play? Or if, it yeah, was the same it was drive. the next play. It was the next play. He got flagged. And once again, it's D.P.I. But you know, people are saying that uh, I saw a lot of folks out there very critical of what Noig Monogany and his play has been when he's actually been tested. Uh, I'm like, are you kidding me? Noig Monogany is like, he is a freak. He was exhausted. I mean, those defensive backs, they're on the field the whole game. And Noig Monogany played a lot of it. I haven't seen the, the, the snap numbers, but I guarantee you he was one of the leaders there because Kevin still keeps his starting defensive backs on the field. And it's because they're good. And it's and, because they know what they're doing. And because he, I don't think he can trust the backups that much. I mean, Smoke Monday made him some sort of a mistake. I don't know if it was a DPI, some sort of a penalty, I believe. Uh, we saw Sherwood just get toasted in the Mississippi State game. So I, I had, along the same line, Zach, I had someone tell me they thought the defensive line didn't play well. And I was like, what are you talking about? The defensive line's forced five fumbles. They had four sacks or something like that. Like the defensive line played out of their minds. The linebackers actually played really well. I think they got put in two just brutal situations having to cover Florida's fastest receivers. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Steele got... I mean, he just he got, got out-schemed. On those two plays, Kevin Steele got beat, which it happens sometimes. And then it, I mean, Dan Mullen's a good offensive mind. That's yeah. okay. And, you know, credit Kyle Trask, as bad as I think he is, he did diagnose those two plays rather well. And then just an absolutely uncharacteristic missed tackle from one of the surest tacklers on Auburn's team, a play that I stopped looking at the screen when P. Ryan ran into the line because I was like, okay, he's done. Like, they got him. Because you saw Britt come up to make the tackle, and I was like, okay, that's it. And, and you know, credit P. Run. He, he broke two tackles and ran for a touchdown. But Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. I love how much this team, I'm going to start that over. I I love how this team has taken this loss. They're mad from it. They're ready to look ahead. I don't think they're going to dwell on it. I think they're going to use it in a positive way. I've seen some Auburn fans say, you know, okay, cool. They're ready to run the table now. 
That's a little interesting logic, but I do. We have seen Malzahn teams in the past. 2013, obviously, early loss on the road to LSU. In 2017, he told reporters after losing to LSU on the road, hey, it's two losses, but it's not the end of the world. He was criticized for it, but he was right. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're number two in the country going in and playing in the SEC championship game. So this season is by no means over. And it gets a lot harder. They have no wiggle room because you think right. if you get this win, it gives you some cover. You've now got not only the most impressive resume in college football, but a top 10 win on the road to add to it. Yeah. And I think the Florida had Florida lost this game and it gone the way I expected for them. They'd still finish second in their division unlike Texas A&M, so that win would have aged a little bit better. I think the the win against the Aggies may look a little underwhelming by the time they get through that entire schedule. Uh, this one's tough, though. Now you have to, essentially, you don't get to lose to LSU, Georgia, or Alabama if you want to yeah. make a play at Atlanta. Um, Can my, they lose to LSU and run the table and have a chance to get in? I doubt it. I just don't see the, LSU and Alabama both dropping like I, I yeah, don't the, I don't see the that only issue with out. that is that now you have an SEC loss yeah so in the past it was against Clemson yeah so, it was a so if different. you have two SEC losses pretty much you'd need LSU to lose to Florida and Alabama and then you'd need Alabama to lose to someone else before they lost to Auburn I, I don't that I don't know but as far as you know, when you're going to lose and stuff. This was kind of the perfect time for a loss. Going into a bye week, then going to Arkansas, and then LSU. You've got a week to watch all the film, study yourself, really get better. You've got a week to prep for a bad team. Go in, get your minds right, just hopefully just dominate on the road to get ready for the big game on the road in Baton Rouge. A game now that's you know pretty much a must-win game. Yeah, I, I agree with you as far as the timing of it. If you're going to lose, the timing of your loss definitely matters. They say it shouldn't, and it doesn't, but it totally does. And then, obviously, like, like you said, with it being a bye week, let it let them sit on it for a while. Let it let them let them kind of have that itch to want to go out and do something about it. and They can't let it bother you for a little bit because this team clearly cares. Oh, I mean, yeah. the veteran leadership, I mean, all of these guys came back for a shot at it all. And they've still got in front of them. But like you said, Painter, it gets a lot harder now. Well, I'm curious, too, because as difficult, it was one of the top three you could debate between South Carolina, A&M, and Auburn, who had the worst of the schedules. But there was no de- debating that all three of them deserved to be in that conversation. But as difficult as it was, it shaped up nicely for Auburn in terms of the spacing. You had Oregon, then two easy games before you went on the road to A&M. Then you had another week in between that Florida and A&M game with Mississippi State. And then, as Michael just mentioned, you've got to buy a weak Arkansas team in LSU. So there's now three weeks, essentially, to get ready for a big LSU game that I think determines a lot about this season. Because I thought that if they beat Florida, lost to LSU, you'd have your entire season still in front of you with Georgia and Alabama. Now it starts to feel to me in a different way not unlike last year's loss against Mississippi State after they yeah. already dropped one to LSU. Now, the stakes will be different because the LSU game means a lot more, I think, than the average Mississippi State game does. And there will be the, the narrative about going to Baton Rouge and trying to get a win. But this is tough from here on out. The and second LSU, half of Auburn season is, I think, the most brutal that anyone will have. You're right. I mean, and, and LSU is a better team 
than any team that you've played so far. And I think right now, who's the better team, LSU or Auburn? I, I think right now it is LSU. I'm really fascinated, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I am fascinated to know what happens between that Todd Grantham defense and that offense led by Joe Burrow and and and, and Brady calling plays or at least helping with the passing game because Florida, I, I mean, they they really messed with Auburn's offense in more, than, in more ways than I expected. And again, Auburn... This won't please everyone, but Auburn could have found a way to win an ugly game on Saturday, and they didn't. I think you credit Todd Grantham's defense for that. Yeah, yeah, and once again, it goes back to I mean, what Derek Brown did on Saturday was one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen. I mean, he was mm-hmm. he was unbelievable. And Marlon Davidson. I mean, really, yeah. both of those guys. Derek Brown. I don't Nick even... Coe didn't show up a lot in the stat sheet, but he impacted mm-hmm. a lot of plays as well. And on ESPN. I want to say game day. It could have been before game day or the day before or something. Nick Coe was one of the guys they were highlighting, which was interesting to me because he's, I think, a lot of Auburn fans have been disappointed by his performance this season because he hasn't been filling the stat sheet necessarily. Maybe Auburn fans expected some more from him. Um, But this defensive line was truly dominant. And it sucks when... You're, you're a defense that's playing as well as Auburn's defense is, that your margin for error is literally like you have to be perfect on every play because there were two plays, really two plays in this game for Auburn's defense where they were not perfect, and because of that, they lost the game. And it's just because the offensive performance was so bad. Yeah, and, and you're going to get those. You're going to get those yeah. kind of games where it's like, you all right, one didn't. or two plays. Yeah. And, you know, this should be the best defense that Auburn plays until if they make the playoff. I don't think Georgia's defense is this good. Um, and Alabama's defense is certainly not this good. And LSU's defense certainly is not this good. Well, let me ask you that I agree with you. I agree with you uh, as far as scheme goes. I think talent wise, I think there's some things you could you know, talk about, but. Yeah, but this Florida defense isn't giving up 38 to Vanderbilt. You're right. I agree with you. The The big issue, and we knew this going into it, we kind of thought it was getting better, but I mean, Auburn's offensive line's got to get better. Auburn's offensive line, mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to do from a physicality standpoint against the three big teams remaining on Auburn's yeah, schedule. Them, that group and Knicks, when they've played their best competition, has not been consistent. It doesn't mean they've always been bad against good competition, but they've not been consistently good or even, I think, solid. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's an issue in this game that we haven't talked about much, I don't think, Auburn was terrible on third downs, and Auburn let Florida, like in 2018 when Auburn struggled so much, they let the defense stay on the field too much. So they turned the ball over. They couldn't get into a rhythm on third down. We've talked about this in the past. Malzahn's play calling becomes a little bit more predictable, a little bit more simplistic when they don't have rhythm. And, yeah, I mean, you've got to have an offensive line and a quarterback that can be better than that consistently. That doesn't mean your freshman quarterback needs to carry the team in the swamp and his first real, I guess you could say the Kyle Field test was the first real test, but he wasn't good enough. A few things about – like. I agree. The O-line did not have their best game, you know, by far. But I also didn't think that they did a, a whole lot to help them out. You know, um, these last couple of games, whether it was A&M or Mississippi State, 
which I think were Auburn's offensive line's two best games, or offense in general's two best games of the season, they did a lot more of the side-to-side stuff, a lot more of the, the screen passes, the jet sweeps, things like that to help out the offensive line. And, and like Zach said earlier, they got away from that really early. It was like one or two times that didn't really work, and then they just bailed on it. And they, the offense looked a lot like it did in the Oregon game when they were doing a lot of drop-back passing. Yeah. And that's not where this offense thrives. Yeah, I mean, any mouths on offense, they need a good running game, and or they, at least they need the running game to be relevant. And it was not against Oregon. And, you know, Booby Whitlow kind of got a little bit going in the fourth quarter. And then the whole second, I actually thought that Auburn ran the ball pretty okay. Like, I didn't think Considering that that the was, circumstances. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, it's like all Dan Peck and I were talking about this on after the game. It was, he was like, who are your you know, bright spots for the day. And I was like, well, the defensive line played incredibly. Um, I actually thought that the back seven for Auburn didn't play poorly. Uh, I I thought the receivers, when given their options, actually played rather well. Seth Williams had a pretty good game. And so it's like, and I I thought Booby Whitlow played pretty well. So Mm -hmm. it was like, really, the guys I didn't think played well was like the offensive line and the quarterback, which unfortunately – you know the the really the two most important position groups to winning a game is the offensive line and the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and so we've got a lot to talk about on this, and you know I really want to get into at some point this week the short down situation that, that mm-hmm. one of you guys brought up as far as Auburn's performance on third down. We're kind of rushed for studio availability this morning, so we're going to jump into more of it this week. I'm gonna try to get I got a few guests in the works as far as who to have on on the bye week, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully, I'll have more info for everybody tomorrow. Michael, where can people find you and hear you? Follow me on Twitter at CouchPapTato. You can listen to me for two hours after every Auburn football game uh, live from Skybar on after the game. Fantastic. And Painter, what about you, bud? I'm at Paint Sharpless on Twitter. And as always, you can hear the lunch break from 11 to 1 on ESPN 106.7, or you can listen to the podcast. That's the Lunch Break Podcast with Justin Ferguson and me. Yeah. Two more hours of daily Auburn content every day for you over at the lunch break. So be sure to check that out wherever you get your podcast. I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.